You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you doing this afternoon? Pretty good. Yeah, feel good. I wasn't quite with it this morning. You know how it is first thing when you wake up? It's just like, ugh, you know, you just can't really get into it. That's kind of where I was this morning. And today, it's just, it, it's been so hot. Like, the last few hours this afternoon, it's just, it's just warming up. And it's going to get into, like, the, well, what we would consider to be the 80s, high 80s next week. But it's a dry heat. Isn't that what they say? Or at least that's what you say down there, right? It's a dry heat. Well, not down here. We 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 have humidity down here. You get dry humidity down there. More when I, oh yeah, <laughs> dry heat was uh, back when I lived in Colorado. Uh, it was dry oh, heat yeah, there. Okay. All right. Well, we got some stuff lined up today. We're going to talk about old Joe, old um, old Joe Biden, creepy Joe. We're going to talk about him. New audios come out linking him to um, well the Ukraine deal. But <laughs> I thought I, I thought all that was Trump. Wasn't it supposed to be Trump? Trump had the Ukraine deals. Isn't that what was going on there? Well, Trump was uh, Trump was Russia, not not necessarily Ukraine. Oh, the well, Ukraine I, deal was a conspiracy. That was that was false I, narrative. You, okay, well, I remember specifically. I remember the uh, the Senate testimonies. They were referencing Ukraine in several cases, but I guess there was yeah. I, I guess they had a hard time tying that up. But anyway, nonetheless, we know that that was all nonsense anyway. But we're going to go over uh, uh, some audio of a phone call that was released here just the other or just a couple of days ago. And we got it all. We got it all together, and we're going to play it. Uh, but we're going to lead with uh, with something else here. Now we all know in the beginning of all this, right? These numbers, these quote experts, the scientists, the doctors, everybody they rolled out, right? They've all been incorrect. Okay, we know this, and we know now, as of just a few days ago, we know now where the social distancing stuff comes in. Uh, it's got nothing to do with the pandemic, and same thing with the mask wearing. It's got nothing to do with any of that. So the fact is, is that everything that has been shoveled to us up to this point has been inaccurate, has been detrimental to everything that we've done. The economy's been wrecked. People's savings have been destroyed. Their businesses have been destroyed. Their lives have been ruined. And you've put people in line where they have to sit there and wait for food. Now, I, I hate to I hate to put it like this, but if that's not a crime, then I don't know what is. If that right there is not a crime, I don't know what is. These people that we listen to in the initial stages that caused this and the ones that are continuing to cause this belong in handcuffs. And I'll say that with 100% certainty. They belong in handcuffs, getting perp walked on national TV. That's what needs to happen. And the same thing goes with, could you lump the media in there? Because they're the ones that fuel all this nonsense. You could lump them in there with it too, couldn't you? Yeah, they were def- definitely uh, co-conspirators. Yeah, co-conspirators. Okay, well, when I say in the beginning that they were all wrong, that includes the BS models they put out, right? So none of that stuff has been correct. Well, guess what? Now we got another one. Another one came out this morning. A forecast from the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School model predicts that COVID-19 cases will reach 5.4 million and the death toll could be 290,000 by July 24th. An ominous forecast accounts for all states fully reopening without any social distancing measures. So 
if social distance, they're saying if social distancing isn't adhered to, according to this model, then these are the kind of numbers we're going to see. So in comparison, the model predicts nearly 4.3 million cases and 230,000 deaths by July 24th if states reopen, but individuals maintain their social distancing efforts. So see, you'll have... 60,000 less deaths if you do that. Meanwhile, a separate model from UMass, from the UMass Influenza Forecasting Center of Excellence, is projecting that deaths will surpass 113,000 by mid-June. Currently, there are more than 1.5 million cases and over 92,000 deaths across the United States. So first and foremost, I'd like to say, which one is it? Okay, which one's correct here? So they're not even talking about what? You possibly split the difference? So which one's correct? Which one are we supposed to believe? This is the this is the information nightmare that we're putting up with is this kind of nonsense. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. not to mention the fact that everything that they've predicted up to this point has been incorrect. So why should we take either one of these studies seriously? So, yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. So now they're saying if you don't if you don't do this, if you don't social distance, which it's got nothing to do with the pandemic. Right? Let's be real. The social distancing isn't adhered to, so it's going to be this amount of deaths. I would argue that it would. How many people die in the United States a year? Right. Let's go. Let's start there. How many people die in the United States a year? Can you look that up? Is that a, an actual statistic we can look up? Uh, yeah, it is. Let's see here. Number of deaths uh, in the U.S. This was for year 2017. It looks like. Um, uh, just shy of 3 million, 2.8 million a year, mm-hmm. yeah, a year. Showing, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, this you know, is, it's this funny is according to, this is according to CDC. That's according to the CDC. Okay. All right. All right. Because we're going to reference some CDC numbers today. So that's according to the CDC. What'd you say? 3 million? Yeah, just shy of 3 million. Yeah. Just shy of 3 million. Okay. Now, if th- those were the initial numbers we were looking at, or we were being told anyway, in the beginning, correct? If we were looking at a yeah. 5% uh, for, uh, mortality rate. It would have been three million, right? Th- those were the numbers they were calling. So we shut down all the flights. We shut down the economy. Which, to be fair, okay, to to be fair, in the beginning, when you have this type of thing happen, when a pandemic is running rampant throughout the world, it is standard procedure to shut everything down, send everyone home until you can figure out what you're dealing with, so you can stop the hysteria. Okay. That's normal procedure. However, now we're in, now they've sprung the trap on us, right? This is where we're at. So now that this has happened, now these people won't let go of power. So this is another issue now that we're dealing with. So I wanted to, I wanted to list uh, something here today. I wanted, I wanted to list this because yesterday I mentioned that I went out into town and what I saw made me very happy. I was happy to see people out. I was happy to see people at cafes, eating ice cream, walking up and down the streets, going into out of shops, pretty much ignoring the social distancing, ignoring the mask thing, doing their thing, whatever. People just living, right? So here's what I wanted to do. Now that that's happened, at least where I'm at, what I can see. Now, what's going on in the city? I don't know. I haven't been up there. But I probably should go just to check it out in the next day or so. But tomorrow's a holiday. So anyway, what I want to do today, okay, I want to write this down. Okay, I'm, I'm going to make note of this. Okay, so today is May 20th. Okay, the day we're recording this is May 20th. Everybody who's listening, you won't hear this until the 21st. So the 20th of May, okay, right now where I am, I'm in the middle of Germany for those that don't know. The number of infected cases, this is according to the CDC, is 178,170. Okay, the number of deaths in Germany currently is 8,144. 80, okay. Now you've got people over here that are going about their lives now as normal. They're ignoring all this stuff and the police aren't enforcing it. So I'm going to revisit these numbers in two weeks and I will replay this segment that I'm list- or that you're listening to now and I'll look at the numbers. So the key aspect here is going to be two weeks from now because we're looking at a delay of some kind, right? 
So I noticed that, yeah, it's not going to be as big a delay as what the CDC and WHO are recording. They're recording, what is it, like a four to six week delay time? But nonetheless, yeah, nonetheless, within two weeks, we should have at least a significant number change if this is indeed what it's uh, what it's being portrayed as. So we're going to do that, right? That's that's on a side note that I'm going to do, right? So that's going to be taken into account. So on the... Uh, we may want to take note of the number of um, tests that are being done per day and the number of infected per day. At the moment, at the moment, I, I do know for a fact, at the moment, they're able to test a half a million per week. That I know. Okay. So the tests are there. Right. It's the, the testing is available. If anybody, anybody that wants it, they can go get it done. Right. So I'm just I'm, I'm thinking for the future, if they increase the amount of testing, you're obviously uh-huh. going to see an uptick. in oh, people yes. That are showing yeah, signs yeah. of infection. That was that was right. my thinking. Yeah, that's true. So on June the 3rd, OK, June the 3rd, I'm going to come back to these numbers and we're going to look at how how the uh, the increase is, because I'm sure there's going to be an increase now. Here's the other aspect to this. There's going to be an increase in both of these numbers, I can tell you already for a fact, because they've reclassified everything. This is the problem we're running into. We're being beat over the head all day with science-based, science-based, science-based. I am in full support of science-based. I want to see it. I want to see the real numbers. I want to see the real data. That's all we've wanted from the start, right, Bruce? That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We want straight numbers. I, I don't care how bad it is. Just give it to us, right? I'm not made of sugar and cotton candy, okay? Okay. So just give it to me. And I'm sure that most of, most people out there in the world are the same way. They're not made of sugar and, and, and nice things. OK, just give it to them straight. They'd be surprised how, how much people actually respect your credibility if you just level with them. So mm-hmm. I expect these numbers to go up. Now, you say that we're just under uh, I, I want to jump back to that earlier point, just under three million deaths a year. OK, mm-hmm. if they reclassify every death in America, as a COVID death, which obviously there'd be other things, right? So like, for example, the motorcycle accident, it'd be blunt force trauma with COVID. Okay. Yeah. So if they reclassify everything and we go about life as normal, you're going to have close to 3 million COVID deaths, aren't you? Yeah. See, this is my point. Yeah. This is my argument to this. I, I want straight numbers. I'm all about the numbers. So just give it to us straight. That's all I want. Now, I know that that's asking a lot, out of you know corrupt organizations like the CDC and the WHO, we've made our stances on those people clear. But these numbers that get put out by these these universities, these studies, uh, this is what we've started with. I mean, this is how we ended up in this mess in the first place by being shut down and wrecking our economies because we listen to these academics that know nothing. So I just want straight numbers. That's all. Uh, honestly, it sounds like the truth is too difficult nowadays uh, to come by. Is what it feels like. Who was it? The organization, the the guy that uh, was saying we would have 2.5 million deaths by what was it about like June or something like that or something uh, from the COVID nineteen. That that was the initial numbers we were looking at. If we didn't shut everything down, right? Even with Correct. social distancing, we were going to see 2.5 million. But they were banking on a five percent mortality rate. Right. Okay. And but the guy that did this. He's notorious for way over predicting these kind of things. I mean, the, the previous one, if I remember right, it was um, swine flu, I believe it was. He was saying it, it would be in the million range as well, dead here in the U.S. alone. Same thing with bird flu. I mean, th- this guy is just honestly, it feels like he's just doing this to to try to uh, you're going to hate me for saying this climate change people, but. A lot of these scientists use extraordinary claims like that to get grants, to get government money. And 
you, you know, they, they, they push these narratives like that. And it feels like that's all he's doing. It's just trying to get government money, honestly. Yeah, I look at them the same way. That's exactly what they are. They carry the ball for these agendas because if they don't, they don't get funding. If you want that tenure at that university, you have to tout the line, whether you think it's correct or not. You have to carry that water. Same thing as these people that come out of these Hollywood institutions. They have to carry the ball. Look at Leonardo DiCaprio. The guy owns what? How many yachts? And he has how many houses? Okay. Yeah. And and he's all about climate change. Give me a break. Right. Give me a break. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, but you notice, you notice he didn't do that. He didn't do that until he endorsed it when he was standing on the stage getting his first Academy Award. Gee, I wonder how he got that Academy Award. For the revenant, yeah? Uh-huh. Uh, Didn't think about that one, did yeah. you? He, in his speech, when he got the award, he says, I'd just like to say everybody that, that thinks that climate change isn't real, it is. Mm-hmm. As he's standing there mm-hmm. gripping his award. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Okay, <laughs> let's get on to something else. But yeah, I don't believe any of those numbers. Like I said, I know they're going to go up. I, I know they're going to go up because the, the testing is just, it's a mess. All right, uh, where do you want to go next? Let me see, where are we? Uh, you want to talk about Michigan? Yes, uh, that, that's. I think that's important. So Michigan, right? They've had a lot of rain up north. I know I've been talking uh, with some people from uh, from my native state of Ohio back there, uh, and they're telling me that the rain is just out of control, right? It's it's just it's nonstop, and so it's not uncommon to get flooding this time of year. I mean, it's, it just happens. You know, you got the spring rains coming in, and they just slam into that part of the country, and then of course all the rivers. You go up, um, you go up north. I'm speaking from Ohio here. I'm not speaking about Michigan, but I'm speaking from Ohio. You go up north, you've got uh, the Monongahela, and then you've got the Ohio River that, that flow. We got the Monongahela that empties into the Ohio, and then you got the Ohio that flows all the way down. Everything from up north, right, comes down into the Ohio River and then empties courses into the Mississippi. So everything that runs down through there is going to get flooded, typically, especially when you have dam failure, which is what you've got going on in Michigan. Obviously, different river, different setup. They're on the lake up there, but same amount of rain, if not more. And they're dealing with uh, dams breaking apart. Now, I don't know. Bruce, did you see this video? This is crazy. This is, I mean, this is horrendous. So I get the feeling of uh, like Hurricane Katrina when that levee broke. That's, yeah, that's kind of what I'm, I'm feeling like here because I see it now, the dam breaking, and it's just absolutely just flooding everything. I mean, it's knocking down trees, the, these massive trees all the way down through there. That's just that's insane. So I wonder if uh, if if Governor uh, Dim Whitmer up there. Yes, I said it. I wonder if Governor <laughs> wonder if Governor Whitmer up there actually wants to open the state now. Do you think <laughs> they were saying to give a little bit of numbers to it? They were saying three to eight inches of rainfall in a week. That's uh, a lot. According to this, that's a lot. That yeah, that that's quite a bit. And they said it was a very slow moving storm system. It, it, they were saying that the flood could reach thirty eight feet by Wednesday night. Uh, in comparison, flood stage is 24 feet. Major flooding occurs at 28 feet. So for that area with the dam and everything. So yeah, the the flood stage currently, it looks like it's 33.9 feet as of this article's posting. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, pretty scary. They're, they're looking at like nine feet in some areas uh, will be underwater. And looking at some of the pictures, you know, you're a foot or two of water right now. Homes, you know, half underwater. A lot of roads and whatnot are covered in water. And, you know, if you're, if you're listening in that area or you're in an area that ever experience, experiences flooding and you think you know where the road goes, do not try to pass through that when it's flooded. Just don't. You don't know what the undercurrent is. 
You don't know what kind of debris might be there. You don't know if the roads collapsed, you know, sunk in or something from the, the water. Uh, just just don't do it. You know, I, uh, I, I've always kind of it's sad because I, I kind of I laugh at people that do that. They go out there and they get stuck. But what? it's not funny, right? It, it's not funny. It's wrong of me to do that. It's wrong of me to laugh. But I laugh because I, I just think of why would you do that? Right. That's just crazy. And they think, oh, well, I can just cross right here. It's OK. But you don't know if that, like you said, the undercurrent, you don't know about that. You don't know if that road's been washed out underneath and there's a uh, there's a giant sinkhole and you're going to fall down into it and never come out of it. What are you going to do then? So these people that uh, that do that. Yeah, that's crazy. I would never take some kind of a chance like that. If there's water covering a road, even if you know it, and you've been driving across it for 20 or 30 years. I wouldn't do it. I certainly wouldn't do it. I certainly hope that uh, that they can get that sorted out up there. That uh, that that looks pretty bad. And same thing with uh, with Ohio. I know you guys are going to be dealing with some flooding back there in Ohio, and it's moving on down the uh, the East Coast as well. North Carolina's got flooding uh, that's going on. I'm sure you're going to see it in in other areas down through there. This is just the time of year, right? This is the time of year. It's not man made climate change. If we didn't have a pandemic going on, you know that's what they'd be touting. It'd be man made climate change the whole way through. Yeah. So we're already working up to. Um, they're saying hurricane season is going to start early this year. I mean, I can all, I can only wait. What are they going to blame it on this year? How, how's that going to work? We've been shut down for three months, right? Carbon emissions are at a, at a historic low. So what? You're going to blame hurricanes on uh, a man-made uh, climate change this time? We reopen too fast, so we're going to blame it on that. <laughs> I can already see they, the agendas they, coming. They might try. I can it. already see. Yeah. I can already see the agendas coming. Example: the uh, for those that don't know, I don't. Have we mentioned uh, the Dalton minimum here? The, the solar minimum that we're headed into. Have we mentioned that yet? Uh, we did mention that here the other day. Yeah. Okay. Just a quick refresher, right? We're headed into a solar minimum. That is, NASA has reported that the sunspots have stopped, meaning we're going to deal with a very cold spell, as in we're headed towards some kind of a mini ice age, right? It's it's that it's that serious. We're going to get those times back where we had deep snows. We're going to get those times back where we had issues trying to grow crops because it's going to be colder. So. I can already see the agenda shift. It's starting. You can see the headlines now where it comes out and says, oh, well, the, the CO2 levels are at a, at a historic low because of uh, the, you know, the, the pandemic shutdown. They're going to blame the cooling on the fact that we were shut down. You watch. You watch. It's going to happen because their, um, <laughs> their narrative doesn't carry. Uh, just, just for clarification on this, it, it's a little bit of sensationalism to say it's going to be a mini ice age. Okay, that's what I, I, that's how it was described to me. So I I'm just right, right. repeating what I was I'm, told. I'm, okay, so to put it in reference, right? I've lived through three of them. Okay, there would have been three in my lifetime, and I don't ever recall like there's three cycles, if you will, right? It's a it's a eleven year cycle. So I, I don't know. I I don't I don't think it's going to be that severe, but could be. I don't know. Well, let's certainly hope not. Definitely. Okay. I, let's certainly hope not. I, I don't want it to be like yeah. that. I just want I, I just want normal stuff. And when I say normal stuff, give me spring, give me fall, give me summer, give me winter. Right? Give me the four seasons and let's move on with life. Okay. I, I don't need any sensationalism. I don't need the government telling me about how the sun's gonna uh, give me whatever. Right. I don't need the government to tell me there's a heat warning. I don't need the government to tell you know. I don't need those people to tell me anything. Right. I'm a big kid. I can figure this stuff out for myself. Thanks. But then again, you could be entirely right with the whole um, freaking the mag the the poles shifting and the magnetic field uh, weakening during a time and. Uh, it could all like everything that happens all together. We could actually see that, you know, with everything compounding on each other. But typically, it, typically, you know, do we want to do Joe now or should we let, should we do this one thing here real quick? The Justice Department warns California about churches. 
I thought this would be an interesting conversation to bring you in on. The Justice mm-hmm. Department on Tuesday sent a letter to California Governor Gavin Newsom expressing concerns about how soon churches will be allowed to resume in-person services, raising constitutional issues. They never should have been shut down in the first place. The letter takes issue with state plans to allow resumption of in-person religious services, which is scheduled to start after manufacturing and office work are allowed to resume. It also cites a past statement from U.S. Attorney Bill Barr. Government may not impose special restrictions on any religious activity that do not also apply similar to similar non-religious activity. Today's letter also says that the state's stay-at-home order does not appear to treat religious activities and comparable non-religious activities the same. So essentially, they're not going to allow churches to reopen. Newsom said Monday at a news conference that some restrictions on churches, including counseling services and other activities, have been eased. But as for the congregants, that's a few weeks away, not months, weeks, if everything holds, he says. What do you mean if everything holds? We were basing all this stuff on false numbers. Why wouldn't you kick the door open at this point? He expressed his deep admiration to the faith community and to its desire to know when the congregants can return. California is in the process of reopening some of its areas of economy uh, and activities following restrictions designed to prevent slower spread. Yeah, whatever. What do you think about churches? Where should we go with this? Should they be? I mean, obviously, like I said, they shouldn't have been shut down in the first place. Right. People would get it. But what's your thoughts on it? My thoughts are inherently you shouldn't have shut down anything to begin with as the government. Unless you were shutting down your own departments, in which case, okay. But as far as businesses, no, you you have no business telling them to shut down. As far as churches, that's a First Amendment right, and the people should have been furious over this one. But, you know, people are smart. The American people, they they have a head. They they have their own, you know, self-preservation. So they were like, you know, yeah, we we can agree with this for a while. That's something we would do anyway. Uh, The experts were saying if we self-isolate and do all this stuff, it'll help flatten the curve. And so everybody was on board with it. Right. So, I mean, they they just kind of went along with it. But I I don't like the, the trends of them being able to trample on our constitutional rights. And we just go along with it because it's a pandemic. Yeah. Yep. So like I said this morning, where was the ACLU when we needed them on that? Right. Where were they? Nowhere to be found. Where were they when they shut the churches down and took away your constitutional rights without your permission? Where was the ACLU? The American Civil Liberties Union. Even in their title, they should stand up for American civil liberties. I didn't see them anywhere. Did you? Mm-mm. Nope. I didn't think so. All right. Let's get to Joe. All right. Joe Biden. Do you want to start with with Joe Biden? You want to give like a little bit of the backstory? We'll start with the clip of him at the Council on Foreign Relations, and, and we'll we'll kind of set the stage here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll start with the clip first, and then we can kind of go into detail on it. Okay. Well, let's set the stage here at the very beginning of this, right? Let's let's talk about this. So the Biden and Ukraine deal. What is that? Right. A lot of people probably already know this, but they don't know all the details and the backstory behind it. They just know that there was something involved there. Joe Biden's son was involved with a gas company there called Burisma. Okay. Now, one of the Ukraine prosecutors, the the um, essentially it's like their attorney general, he was investigating Joe Biden's son and his dealings with the gas company called Burisma. And so this was becoming a problem because <laughs> various other things, I mean, that's a whole nasty, dirty web down in there. But nonetheless, he was under investigation, okay, uh, by, by the, um, the Ukrainian attorney general, essentially. So what did Joe do? Joe was essentially holding the country hostage, offering money in exchange for getting that prosecutor fired and replaced. Let's take a listen to this. This is Joe Biden. Let, let me let me just kind of let me just kind of go through this. Okay. So 
In 2006, there was a prosecutor in Ukraine, right? I'm going to name him, right? This is the one that he had fired. It was, his name was Viktor Shokin, okay? His investigation into Burisma Holdings, which was the, go- the gas company, Joe Biden's son, I'm speaking of, Hunter Biden, he received, was it $3 million or something like that? It, it was a good chunk of money. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember the specific uh, amount. Okay. There was an issue where he goes from nobody and then all of a sudden he gets put on the board of this gas company and he's making like $50,000 a month, right? That kind of thing. And so that's just, yeah, he's got no experience. He's, he's never been a, an international uh, entrepreneur, nothing, right? He just, he gets put on the board of this Ukrainian gas company. Doesn't look suspicious or anything, right? With no experience whatsoever. So Biden doesn't want this corruption exposed, Okay, Biden jumps in, right? Joe Biden, he jumps in and he uses a U.S. loan guarantee as a hostage, basically, while uh, he demands that Shokin gets fired. Right. He wants the Ukrainian prime minister to uh, uh, to fire him, the Ukrainian prime minister, uh, Petro Poroshenko. He says, look, you got a billion dollars. I'm going to get I'm going to guarantee you a loan of a billion dollars from the United States. We'll sign it. But I want that prosecutor that's looking into my son fired. And that was the deal. So this is Joe at the Council on Foreign Relations telling exactly that. Okay, listen to this. Uh, um, I remember going over convincing our team, our others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and uh, and I was going supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had they were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah, I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting." the money. Oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. He put in place someone who was solid. Okay. Someone who was solid, meaning somebody who wasn't going to look into his kid. That's what he means. And it had to be somebody that was going to be doing what they're told rather than being a straight shooter in Ukraine of all places and looking at which there was nothing on the guy, right? He was clean. The, The prosecutor in Ukraine, he was clean. There was nothing on him. He was a straight shooter, which is hard to find in Ukraine. So, I mean, the country's so corrupt. You got anything on that before we get to the phone call? No, that, that pretty much, uh, I don't think there's been anything. I, I think that covers it good, yeah. Okay, so let's get into the first. This is a three-part call, okay? So this is uh, this is Joe Biden speaking to uh, Ukrainian Prime Minister at the time Petro Poroshenko. Okay, this is the uh, this is the first this is the first call between the two of them. I can I can hear you better too. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, you, you were saying I didn't I missed what you were saying. Yeah. So first of all, I'm very happy to hear. Second, this is very valuable for me that you find out the time for me even in Minnesota. And I'm dreaming some days to be with you. <laughs> That's That's easy, man. I tell you what, I'd like to be with you instead of Minnesota right now, but go ahead. (laughs) The third, I have some positive and negative news. I will start with the positive news. Well, good. Joe, I have a second positive news for you. Yesterday, I met with the general prosecutor, Shokin. Yes. 
And despite of the fact that we don't have any corruption charges, we don't have any information about the he doing something wrong. I especially ask him. No, it was day before yesterday. I especially ask him to resign in uh, as a, his uh, position as a state person and despite of the fact that he has a support in the power and as a finish of my meeting with him he promised me to give me the statement on, on resignation and one hour ago he bring me the written statement of his resignation great and this is my second step for keeping my promise i agree Okay, so what did he say, right? What did he say there? He said, what did the Ukrainian prime minister, Poroshenko, what did he say about Shokin? He said there was no corruption. He was totally clean, but yet he asked him for his resignation anyway. And you heard Biden agreeing, talking about how great, oh, yeah, it's great, great. Okay, so that was positive news. That was the positive news he was reporting to Biden. Okay, uh, let's get to the next part of this call here. Your voice. Thank you. Well, you are doing very well. Congratulations on... Uh, I'm getting the new prosecutor general. I know there's a lot more that has to be done, but I really, uh, I really think that's, I think that's good. Uh, and I understand you're working with the rod in the coming days on a number of additional laws to secure the IMF. So, but congratulations on installing the new prosecutor general. It's going to be critical uh, for him to work quickly to repair the damage Chokin did. And I'm a man of my word. I, uh, and that now that the new prosecutor generals in place we're ready to move forward in signing that new one billion dollar loan guarantee and i don't know how you want to go about that i'm not going to be able to get to uh um to kiev uh anytime soon um next month or so and uh um and uh i don't know whether you could either sign it with our ambassador or if you came here we could sign it or if you want uh we're inviting Groisman here later. Uh, uh, I'm going to be talking to him later this morning. Not for that purpose. We're inviting him uh, to Washington. And so uh, it's, I'll, I'll leave it up to you as to how you want that done and when you want it done. Uh, first of all, thank you very much indeed for these words of support. Believe me that it was a very tough challenge and very difficult job. And uh... Right. So what did he do there? Okay, he fired the prosecutor, right? Now, the first part of the call, he fired the prosecutor that had nothing on him, right? He was he was totally clean. The prosecutor was. He wasn't corrupt, so he asked him to resign. Okay, so what does he do? All right, Joe says I'll I'll do this. Or uh, Joe says I want you to do this, right? Strictly because he was looking into his son. So the prime minister of Ukraine calls in the prosecutor, asks him for his resignation, which <laughs> I'm sure it was another, done another way, but uh, you know we'll never know that. But anyway, then the second part of the call is, which it's on a different day, by the way. The second part of the call, he says that he had fired Shokin, right? He brought in the new guy, right? And he was going, now Biden says that it's going to take a lot of work to repair the damage that Shokin did. What was Shokin doing? He was investigating his son into the allegation or into the uh, into the corruption with the Burisma gas deal. That's what was happening there. So that was damaging enough. Oof, um, I don't. I, I mean, it, does it? Does anybody else have a bit of an issue with? Uh, I don't know. Our vice president having their son work with another country's oil and gas business at the same time. I mean, like, I, I kind of feel like. It seems a little fishy when you're doing deals with Ukraine, 
you know, on a national scale, like giving them a billion dollars, you just so happen to have your son on the board of a business in Ukraine. I don't know. It just seems a little fishy. Seems a little maybe you shouldn't be doing that. You know, even if even if nothing's going on, you know, even even let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say this was completely legitimate. This was in the vein of what Hunter Biden knows and does, which is not, but it's still about the optics at the very least. It looks bad. Why would you even do that? But then when we start looking at the facts and going, well, Hunter had no experience in the thing. Uh, He had uh, issues with alcohol and drugs at the time. He was frequently out with the head of Burisma, which is an oligarch, fishing, you know, going out and fishing and enjoying their wonderful alcohols there, I'm sure. I don't know. It, it just seems fishy. It just, it. Uh, I, I don't like it, e- even if it's, even if nothing was going on. I, I don't like it. We're starting to see here where the real collusion is, right? I mean, this is kind of obvious. So, I mean, we knew this before. Like, we, we knew this, right? People have heard about the, the Biden, the Ukraine deal, all that stuff. We, we heard that. But now this audio's come out of these phone calls. And it's just kind of tied everything together, hasn't it? Like, we knew well, this, was, but now it's just yeah, kind of like we to hear it. Yeah. But but the thing is, is the media has said, oh, no, this is a conspiracy. There was nothing to it. Biden, you know, uh, I don't know. It's just been pushed by the media that they're, this is all a lie, a conspiracy. And Oh, no, this is not And a then conspiracy. when we – no, but when we – at the time, we didn't have the, the audio recordings. We just had Biden's own words and some of the other documents, uh, both from Ukraine and here, but with um, what's the, the Free Information Act? Is that what it is? Uh, I forget what the what the act was yes. called. But anyway, Freedom yes. of Information Act. That's what it is. We're able to ask these documents to be released in audio recordings and whatnot. So that's probably where this came from. And uh uh, you know, it just reinforces what Biden was saying, that he did indeed do these things. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the last part of this clip here, uh, because this one kind of rounds it off. But I'm able to do Absolutely. The second thing, thank you very much indeed. This is exactly what I'm looking for. The second thing is that I want to thank you that you give me your word that immediately when we change the station and I appoint uh, the new prosecutor general, and it would be Yuri Lutsenko, as we agreed on our previous meeting in Washington. And uh, when it happened, um, we can have this long guarantee. And thank you very much. Okay, so. What did he say there at the end? He says that they're going to appoint the new prosecutor. This is the guy that that Biden said at the CFR meeting in the initial clip we played, saying that he was solid. They put somebody in that was solid. He said, and Poroshenko says, and when that happens, we can have this loan guarantee and we thank you very much. Okay, so this is the deal here. You talk about collusion. This is uh, this is hands down like this is what prosecutors call slam dunk. So we know where the real collusion is lying here, right? This is and it's worse than this, by the way. This is just the stuff on the surface that we're talking about. So the entire network that they set up over there was uh, was more than this. I mean, it was monumental, wasn't it, Bruce? Yeah, they, they created the equivalent of a DOJ there in Ukraine. And the officials, shall we call them? were appointed by the Obama administration. You know, when you when you start meddling in, in sovereign countries' affairs like that and creating departments and appointing politicians or, or justices or whatever you want to call them, you know, I have a problem with that. I have an issue with that. Even if it is in our in our own interest, uh, I I have it I have difficulty accepting that. But the thing is, is was this in our interest? Any of it? No. No. This was this was to help further 
I don't want to play party politics, but it helped further the left's, shall we say, um, deep state or um, shadow government, whatever you want to call it. And it would basically allow them to some of the hackings and breaches that we've seen in the past were done in Ukraine, came from Ukraine or, or you know, that area. I don't know. It, it, it's concerning the the kind of control they could wield there. I don't know. You know, the, the whole Hillary server thing, there was a copy of it in Ukraine. I, I mean, I don't know. It just why why well, are you using Ukraine in this? You know, well, it, it just the, the reason they use Ukraine, Ukraine is essentially it's like th- think of Ukraine, right? It's historically it's OK. It was a, it was a puppet state of the Soviet Union and you had a, a destabilized system. There it was a, it was a regional satellite. But at the fall of communism, they really didn't have a way to go. So they kind of installed this quasi democratic system, but it, it became very corrupt very fast because, I mean, that's what the Soviet Union was. It was corruption from top to bottom. And so it it was operating off of that old system. And you still had guys like uh, like, the, you know, the oligarchs in there that would run their money through there. And the thing about it is, is it's so corrupt. So you, you had essentially Ukraine as as like a um, think of it as like a slush fund. That's essentially what it was. They, they were trying to set it up that way. So you could set up the criminal network there. And then you could use it as a jumping off point to somewhere else. And say, for example, if you wanted to say, uh, I don't know, go after the Russians, maybe. I mean, you know, the pipeline that runs from Russia, which, by the way, the Russians have a lot of oil from their fields in eastern Siberia. The pipeline that runs from Russia that delivers the oil to Europe, apart from Germany. Do you know where that you know where that runs through? Well, I, I would specifically say Ukraine just because it runs we're through Ukraine, it, but runs through Ukraine. Yeah. And do you know which gas company has the rights to that oil pipeline in Ukraine? Burisma. Burisma. Is it starting to make sense now? So mm-hmm. why the Ukraine? Well, uh, there's there's one reason. Another reason oligarchs in there get get rich. They can use that network to uh, to create shells and to uh, run money through fund proxy wars and say areas like the Crimea. Does this all this sound familiar? So, yes. Why Ukraine? Because it's historically corrupt and you can go in there and it's it's ripe for the picking when it comes to setting up organized crime networks. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's why they went there. You had a criminal cabal in the United States get together and go to Ukraine and set all that up. And so they they played their hand betting that Hillary was going to win and she didn't. And now all this is coming out. So you've got guys at the DOJ under Trump looking into this, right, digging around and saying, hey, wait a minute. All this is going on in the Ukraine with all these Democrats and all these operatives like Podesta's brother and, you know, people like Alexandra Chalupa. Remember her? Right. No, they have the yeah. Taco Bell. One. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah. yeah, no, no correlation there. But um, her you had Hillary Clinton involved in this. You had John Kerry involved in this. You had John Kerry's son involved in this. You had Nancy Pelosi's son involved in this. This is bad. This is really bad. And so this is what the Ukraine. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Shell companies in Latvia. I don't know if you yes, mentioned that. Shell companies in Latvia. You have, I mean, this is yeah. this is really bad. Privat bank. You know, people can look into that one. Right. Where'd that eight billion dollars go? What happened to that? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking a lot of money here. Now, you say, OK, well, what's a billion dollars, right? A billion dollars in America, that doesn't seem like a lot of money, right? We just walk around. With, we throw a billion dollars away in, what, five seconds in Congress? It's about what it is. A billion dollars. <laughs> That's what it seems like, yeah. Yeah, a billion dollars in a corrupt country like Ukraine can do a lot, right? It can do a lot. Uh, it goes a long way in places like that. Now, if you imagine $8 billion and what it can do in a country like Ukraine, my point is, is that they set up this entire network over there. You had people like Obama that was involved who signed off on all this. 
You had John Kerry involved. You had John Kerry's, uh, excuse me, you had uh, Joe Biden involved. You had all their kids involved in all this mess. You had Hillary Clinton involved. You had the Podestas involved. Uh, it's, it's just, it's bad. You had Democrat operatives involved in this as well. Documented, by the way. All this is documented fact. This is not some conspiracy theory I'm sitting here spousing off. And we're going to put it all together at some point. We just haven't done it yet. This pandemic, man, this damn thing. But it's thrown a wrench in everything. It's it's thrown a wrench in everything. Mm-hmm. This is something we were yeah. going to cover even before all this. But mm-hmm. now it's coming out, right? And the thing is, is they shot first, right? The Democrats in the American left, the ones that set up this criminal network, they shot first. And they tried to pin all this stuff on Trump because Trump had his guys at DOJ looking into this. His guys at justice yep. saying, hey, wait a minute, all this is going on here. We're going to have to do something about this. So the Democrats got out in front of it. They grabbed the hold of the agenda. They had the narrative. So what were they doing? They were trying to pin all this crap on the Trump administration. And so there's a lot to protect here. And it's not Trump that's guilty in all this. If he was, I would tell you, you know, I would sit there and I would say that I wouldn't hold back on it. If, they, if that person's guilty, I don't care who it is. If that person's guilty, then they need to answer for that crime. But it's not him in this case. It's them. It's the it's the it's the Democrat Party. What they've done here in this. This is a mess. This is a nasty situation. And so prosecutions are going to have to happen. And you've got this morning. Right. You've got this morning. Tell, tell us tell us what's being reported this morning, Bruce, on on the, what the Republicans have done with the uh, the Biden probe. Yeah. So we have the let's see here, which committee, the Senate Homeland Security Committee voted um, an eight six vote to subpoena. There's a, uh, a a company which basically Blue Star uh, Strategies is the company name. They represented the Ukrainian Ukrainian energy company Burisma Holding when uh when hunter was involved there and basically they're they're subpoenaing this consulting firm uh and this whole this whole probe so i'm hoping maybe we get some information there and you know learn learn a bit of something maybe i don't know eventually lead up to subpoena for hunter biden i mean if you really want joe to squeal on this stuff put a little bit of pressure on his son you know put a little bit of pressure on hunter and see you know and uh i think biden will um I think he'll squeal a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I said it remains to be seen. Now, see, this is why Joe's in, right? This is another thing. This is why Joe's in. This is why Joe's running. Joe has to run to protect the crew, right? That's why yeah. he's in. This is my opinion. Okay, this is my opinion. Joe's in because, and the party's keeping him in. They've pushed him to this point because the whole party's at stake here, right? The whole party's going to collapse if this, if all this comes to light, right? They're finished. They are absolutely finished. They're in deep. And so they have to run Joe. And if Joe doesn't run, who else could they put on the ticket? Hillary Clinton, maybe? Barack Obama, maybe? Yeah. Now, and the reason I say Barack Obama, you say, well, no, why would he do that? Why, why would he do that? He's, he's got hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, what good would his hundreds of millions of dollars be in the Netflix deals, the book deals, the movie deals, everything that he's done, him and the old lady? Why would it be of concern to him what happens in this? Well, he signed off on all this. He's just as dirty as the rest of them. On top of that, they used this to try and pin on Trump at Obama's order to try and impeach him, to, to try and have him overthrown. So you tried to attempt a coup on a sitting president, on a duly elected president of, for, and by the people. That's treason. So he's got a lot to protect here. So he would run basically on that point. If not, what good are his hundreds of millions of dollars or however much he's got and all those mansions and, and houses that they're buying now? What good is all that? If in all this, they get tried for treason and he has his assets seized and his, his accounts frozen. The reason I say that, there was a poll that came out this morning 
And it says, this is, a, this is a poll out of the Hill newspaper, okay? Obama would beat Trump in a head-to-head matchup poll, okay? Former President Barack Obama would beat President Trump in a head-to-head match if an election were to be held today, according to a new poll, a new poll released on Wednesday. The public policy polling company uh, survey obtained by Politico showed that 54% of respondents would vote for Obama for, and 43% would vote for Trump if the candidates faced each other. Only 3% of the respondents were unsure. So the poll from... The company that uh, that I said, the public policy polling company, right? They're a left-leaning firm. This is the this is the Hill newspaper saying this, not me. The poll from the public policy polling company is the public policy uh, polling is a left-leaning firm. Was hypothetical since Obama cannot run for another term in office. Why can't he? Why can't he? My question sure is, it's the two-year limit thing or two-term limit thing. He can only run two terms. Yes, he can only run two terms. He can run one term. He can run another term, but he has to take a break. Why can't he run a third in another time? It just says you can't run two consecutive terms. I guess it depends on the lawmaker that's interpreting it. But okay, um, well, the general consensus that is said is you can only have two terms. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Well, you know what? I would like to look into that because I'm pretty sure that you just. I'm. I know it's two terms, but I'm pretty sure you can run again, but you have to take a you have to take a term off. And he's still young enough; he's able to do that. Of course, you know, there's all this stuff going on now about uh, Trump saying that there's going to be, a, you know, a Obamagate and we're going to look into this. OK, fine, because now they've got Flynn involved in this and Flynn's got dirt on these people. Uh, and the, the documents have now come out in the Russiagate case. And now that what are they going to do? Right. I said yesterday they're going to try and impeach Trump again. They're going to try and impeach him again on some more ginned up nonsense, saying they might have overlooked something. So there's a lot to protect here. Obama responded to these these attacks in one word in his tweet. He just said, vote. I don't think they can win. I don't think they can win. Even in all this all this election fraud and this mail-in voting and all this stuff, I don't think they can win. They've lost so much credibility. They've destroyed people's lives in these states that will not reopen, that are run by these Democrat governors. And I'm not playing party politics. I, I, I cannot stress that enough. I will say it till I'm blue in the face. I am not one side or the other. I'm right down the middle and I call it like I see it. I'm just a concerned citizen, but I don't think they can win. So to, to answer your question, this is in regards to the 22nd Amendment, Section 1. Okay. No person shall be elected to office to the office of the president more than twice. And no person okay. who has held right. the office of president or acted as president for more than two years of a term to which some other person was elected shall be elected to the office more than once. So, for example, Biden, something Biden gets elected, uh, he resigns immediately, then his vice would not be able to be elected twice. It would only be once after that. So, okay, what, so. what about this? Hypothetical, hypothetical. What uh, if they, what if the Democrats put Hillary on the ticket and then she resigns and Obama's the vice? He's not elected. He would be able to do that once. That once. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, once would be all they need. Your sure. thoughts on whether or not they can win this? We're 150 something days out. Your thoughts on whether or not the Dems can win this? Absolutely not. I, 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 <laughs> I know we're not supposed to be using the absolutely, but I can't see them winning in this, especially with the Dems doing all these lockdowns and, and not allowing people to go back to work. Uh, I mean, people are getting fed up with it. I, I don't know. It's we're we're quite a ways off. There's a lot that could happen in between now and then. But at this point in time, no, I, I have no concerns that President Trump will not win again. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think they can do it. They've lost too much. They've just lost too much. They, all this stuff. And now they're talking about another impeachment. It's not going to fly. It's not going to fly. So <laughs> people are tired it, with the yeah, impeachment nonsense. Why would you do that? Why would you even consider floating that headline? Like what? No. Why would you do that? It, Stupid. The only thing I can figure is they're doing it to try to wear out the people, to try to be like, uh, you know, strong arming them almost like 
trying to find something they could hold the, you know, stick them up with and say, look, if you vote for Trump again, you're only going to get four more years of us impeaching them and nothing happening. You know, nothing legislative process, you know, being shut down more or less. And honestly, I'm kind of like, if you guys want to do this impeachment thing for another four years and just drag it through the mud on this and you don't pass any bill, that's a win-win. <laughs> but it's bad for the country. You know, it's, it's bad for the, it's bad for the country what they've done up to this point. What have they accomplished? Either side, what have they accomplished in four years? Nothing. Nothing. Mm. I mean, it's just the, they, they've, they've accomplished quite a bit and none of it's good. It, it's just increased the divide between uh, the two parties. Uh, yeah, I mean, fair point. Unfortunately, we're going to have to end. We're out of time. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together, we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.